The New Factory Thinker by Bill Bishop Chapter 4 Part 2 The New Marketplace Realities Repercussion 5 The End of the Single Transaction Because prospects are hard to reach, the cost of sales has gone up. It's now necessary to contact more prospects in order to land a sale. In some old factory industries, you also have more regulatory paperwork. That's why you don't want to do a single transaction. Once you have a relationship with a customer, you want to sell them lots of things in order to cover the initial cost of acquiring them. That's why new factories that amortize the cost of customer acquisition over many years and many transactions outcompete old factories that only do single transactions. Repercussion 6. The Freebie Factor. In the fast food marketplace, consumers look for the best price, and the best price is free. That's another thing the internet has done to the brain of the consumer. They expect most things on the internet to be free. This is a big danger for old factories because one of their competitors might start giving away their product or service for free in order to capture and own the relationship with the customer. One of my clients, a tax preparer, was compelled to build her new factory after a local insurance company started giving away free tax return services. How can I compete if they give my service away for free, she asked. Exactly. How can you? This highly disruptive trend will continue. More and more commodity products and services will be given away for free by new factories intent on building their membership roster. I predicted this trend back in 1996 in my book Strategic Marketing for the Digital Age and have watched it unfold ever since. Also see Chris Anderson's book Free, The Future of a Radical Price. Repercussion 7. The Demand for New Kinds of Value. Transcendent Value Creation. In developed economies most consumers have achieved physical actualization, meaning that most of their physical needs are being met. Of course, there are still many marginalized people, but even they are relatively better off than most people in the third world. In this kind of mature marketplace, catering to a customer's physical needs is less of an opportunity than it used to be. For example, after World War II, my father-in-law was the first person in his community to buy a refrigerator. Dozens of his friends came over to see the new invention. They had a refrigerator party. But today, everyone has a refrigerator. It's no big deal. Refrigerators have become a commodity, an essential one, but not something to throw a party about. And that's the thing. Back then, if you peddled refrigerators you sold something people got excited about and few people had. You also had few competitors so you could charge a good margin and make a good income. But nowadays, if you sell refrigerators, everyone has one, and there are a lot of people selling them. Customers can also go online and buy one themselves for dirt cheap and never talk to a salesperson. That's the problem. If you only sell something tangible like a refrigerator, there's not a lot of opportunity to get rich in the new factory era. But that doesn't mean there is no opportunity. Once people get their physical needs met, there are other things you can help them with. This is where the opportunity lies, to package and sell new kinds of value that transcend the kind of value provided by old factories. For example, the demand for emotional value will grow in the new factory marketplace. Once they have their physical needs met, 
consumers will be willing to pay a lot of money to feel better emotionally, i.e. feel less stressed, have more peace of mind, feel empowered, feel fulfilled, feel connected. In the new factory marketplace, value will be created in ways that were previously unimaginable. Value will be created with words and design and other intangibles. New factories will transform the lives of their customers in holistic, integrated ways that are significantly superior to the fragmented approach taken by old factories. Opening our minds to the potential for new kinds of value is one of the keys to new factory thinking. Repercussion 8. The end of fixed overhead. In the new factory marketplace, companies will eliminate as much fixed overhead as possible. They will not want to commit resources to any physical or human asset that is fixed because they won't be sure if they'll need it in the future. In the old factory era, companies could confidently make a big fixed investment in overhead. They could invest $10 million in an assembly line to make hammers and amortize that investment over 10 years. But in the new factory era, it's foolish to do that. There's no guarantee people will want hammers in 10 years or even one year from now. So new factories will avoid anything that fixes their overhead. I had an experience that taught me this new factory lesson. Years ago, my company produced printed educational booklets for our clients. We generated $8,000 in revenue per month, incurring $4,000 in outside printing costs. Given the popularity of the booklets, we committed to lease a photocopier for $800 a month, thereby saving $3,200 a month in printing costs. It seemed like a good idea at the time, but it wasn't. A year later, no one wanted the printed booklets anymore. They wanted ebooks. But we were left with six more years on the lease at $800 a month. The lesson was while the photocopier was part of our fixed overhead, the demand for our product turned out to be variable. More excruciating, as all good lessons are, the photocopier spent the last two years of the lease in storage, and the total loss on the whole project amounted to about $30,000. This horror story happened after the mailing machine fiasco, proving that it took me a while to learn this important new factory lesson. That's why fixed overhead is anathema in the new factory marketplace. New factories seek flexible overhead to match the plasticity of the market. That's why my company now uses a nearby UPS store for our mailing and photocopier needs. If a client wants a printed booklet, sometimes they still do, we use the UPS machine and mark up the price. In this way, we turned a fixed overhead cost into a variable cost and always make money on a project. In the new factory marketplace look for companies to shear off as much fixed overhead as they can, buildings, vehicles, machines, and of course, the biggest fixed overhead of them all, people. Companies will be forced to either hire people on contract or use outside suppliers. They will have little incentive to hire someone for a job or to incur the additional fixed overhead associated with being an employer such as desks, chairs, computers, phones, lunch rooms, toilet paper, insurance, and benefits. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying this is a good thing. I don't want to see people lose their jobs. It's just that the new factory marketplace forces companies to take these steps, even if they don't want to. To compete, they have to lower their fixed costs. They have to convert fixed costs into variable costs or go out of business. For these reasons, the ideal new factory will have virtually no fixed costs at all.
It will be completely virtual. Repercussion 9. No more jobs. As flexible overhead replaces fixed overhead, millions of old factory jobs will be eliminated. Say goodbye to job security, defined benefits, and long-term employment. Lots of people will be replaced by computers and robots, or their old factory company will shut its doors. These displaced people will either spend the rest of their life unemployed, or they will find work in a new factory. But notice I didn't say find a job, I said find work. This is a key distinction. In the new factory future, there won't be a lot of jobs, but there will be unlimited opportunities for work. As the new factory marketplace takes hold, an infinity of opportunities to provide value and make money will emerge, but not in the form of a traditional job. Jobs lost in old factories will not be replaced by jobs in new factories. Instead, everyone will act as a value hub connected to a network of other value hubs. Repercussion 10. The end of industries. In the new factory marketplace, traditional industry definitions and structures are irrelevant. Ask yourself, what industry is Apple in? Is it in the computer industry or the telephone industry? What about Amazon? Is it in the book industry or the retail industry or the grocery industry? The idea of industry silos and territories are of no interest to a new factory thinker. They cross over into any industry they want. Industry overlords, who have a vested interest in maintaining old factory perks and entitlements will of course, resist this trend. But it's all over for them because new factory consumers don't care what industry a company belongs to as long as it provides value. We've seen the internecine turf war raging between Uber and the traditional taxi industry. Consumers love the enhanced value provided by Uber, but the traditional taxi industry is growling and biting back. The tug of war between new factory upstarts and industry-entitled old factories will be one of the most interesting dramas to play out in the new factory marketplace. In fact, much of the current political turmoil we are witnessing is actually a battle between old factory thinkers and new factory thinkers. To succeed in today's marketplace, it's critical to get your head out of your industry-defined box. It's holding you back from seeing all of the potential value you could provide to your customers. These changes are irreversible. These changes and repercussions are unprecedented in human history. While they are caused by technology, they are not all about technology. It's about how consumers in the new factory marketplace see the world differently and behave differently. No amount of wishful thinking will reverse these trends. They're now firmly entrenched. The only path forward is to embrace the reality and the opportunities of the new factory marketplace. Now let's look at the difference between an old factory thinker and a new factory thinker. 